2: Good morning! Yeah,
0: yeah It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game.
3: Yes, sir! Good morning, family. Steven Lankford in with you. Hope you're having a great Friday. I'm sure you're really looking forward to this weekend and everything to come on Sunday with the 49ers. But I wanted to spend a few minutes on the Warriors to start the show. The rest of the time we'll go Niners because I do have... Some keys to the game. I know it's a very generic sports media segment to do. It's something you see all over the pregame shows and this pregame show as well, even though we aren't really a pregame to anything except for the game. But I do have four ways in which either team can get the edge, and that's how they'll get the win. And I'm going to want to know from you which one is the most important. Which one to you is the the aspect of the game that the 49ers need in order to beat the Rams on Sunday in order to make it to the Super Bowl. But first, there's a couple of things here because the Warriors got the win 124 to 115. The the Timberwolves, they cut it to 6. They made it 106 to 100 with about 5 minutes left in the game, but then new All-Star and starting All-Star Andrew Wiggins knocked down a three. Then Steph knocked down a three. Clay knocked down a three and it proved to be too much. The Timberwolves didn't have enough scoring to bring them back into the game and then Steph continued to follow it up with some ridiculous shots. But this is the one that I do want to focus on with Steph. It was that three that he knocked down right after uh, Andrew Wiggins. Thompson finds Looney on the right wing. Porter comes and gets the ball. Guarded by Noel. Fakes the pass to the cutter. Finds Curry who flares Out to the right and hits a three. Curry stepped on somebody's foot on the sideline when he went collided with a couple of the patrons. Limps back now. Throughout the game, Steph was already knocking down shots. I mean, in the at least the ones that we haven't seen him knock down in this shooting struggle that he's been going through. And in the first quarter, even he was knocking down shots where you saw that confidence back. You know, when he knocked down the pull-up three and he just started skipping on his way back to the court. That was about uh, on the other side of the court. That was with about two minutes left in the game. It just looked like it, it, you could tell that Steph was was feeling himself in that one. And by the way, speaking of, in that, in that highlight, I liked how uh, Boss Tycoon by Mac Dre was playing in the background. Love that. Uh, but that specific shot right there, it was just a classic Curry three. You know, he's holding his defender, waiting for a teammate to set a screen. This teammate, this time being Kevon Looney, sets a screen so Curry can get open on the right wing where he's just so deadly and in rhythm, takes a three while falling over onto a fan. Luckily, he didn't get hurt, but he knocked that one down. Those are the types of threes where you could tell Steph's just in it, but... This entire offense was just playing within rhythm last night, and these past two games, both with 30-plus assists, it's no surprise that they've played some of their uh, more cleaner offensive games uh, these past two games. Now, on defense, yeah, Carl Anthony Towns had 31 points, and they started knocking down some shots late in the game. They started off on an 11-3 to run, but ultimately Steph, Clay, Wiggins, they were all just too much. Their shooting was too much. Jordan Poole knocking uh, knocking down a couple of big threes in that game. I mean, listen to this. Listen to these numbers here. Steph Curry, 10 of 20, 6 of 10 from 3 for 29 points. Klay Thompson, 9 of 16, 5 of 9 from 3 with 23 points. And he had 4 assists as well. Andrew Wiggins, 7 of 12, 5 of 8 from 3 19 points. Jordan Poole, 5 of 10, with 19 points. He was 3 of 4 from the three-point line. That is efficiency. That is the Warriors basketball that we have been so accustomed to seeing throughout this season. So, just glad they got the win. And and I'll say this about the Timberwolves. Look, I, I don't know what the future holds for them. I don't know what moves they can make, but... Anthony Edwards and Karl-Anthony Towns, if you could somehow build around those two, D'Angelo Russell was not good uh, in yesterday's game. He did knock down uh, a three early, but, I mean, overall, three of ten for eight points. That's just the complete opposite of what the Warriors did. Uh, But what they got with those two guys, it's something special there uh, that they could build with Anthony Edwards if they, you know, managed to... Get the right guys, draft the right guys, pick up the right free agents, make the right trades. Whatever it is, I think the Timberwolves are in pretty good hands going forward as long as they got Anthony Edwards at the helm. But when you got Steph, Clay, and Wiggins shooting the way that they were shooting, it was great. And Steph spoke after the game and he talked about how things are now different with Clay because Clay is shooting in rhythm. He's not trying to force things. He's letting the offense come to him. All those cliches that you're hearing, they're all true. Here's what Steph had to say about Clay and how things have been different I
4: think a lot of it has to do with how he's been guarded because from two and a half years of being out and how loud his return is I'm sure there's a lot of game planning on make sure you know where clay is at all times so there's got to be bodies on him and I think early he was being aggressive trying to find his rhythm and not letting the game come to him and with that extra attention like you just was- just tough to find, you know, good looks. And as he's gotten more comfortable and become more patient, understand how to manage his minutes uh, a little bit better. You've seen the results. So showing the full repertoire of his passing abilities, like you said, being able to, you know, make shots off the dribble, attack, get to the rim, take what the defense is giving him for the most part, and that that helps him get into a rhythm.
3: And when he knocked down that three to make that game one fifteen to one oh four late, and he starts holding up his hands to the crowd. Just, it was great. It was, it was awesome to watch last night. A lot of fun. But on the other side, Andrew Wiggins... Andrew Wiggins, and it's not gonna. I'm not gonna focus on the game that he had last night because he had a he had a good game. He had an Andrew Wiggins type game where he gets it done on both ends of the floor and has has an efficient scoring night, knocking down a, a, a big three late and complimenting what Stephen Clay were doing as Stephen Clay were leading the team in shooting. Uh, but Andrew Wiggins, we got the news yesterday that he is an All Star starter. For the Western Conference, beating Rudy Gobert, 50% of the vote goes to the fans, and a lot of it went to Andrew Wiggins. And I'm so happy for this, dude. How, how much did we just play into that narrative that Wiggins doesn't want to try, doesn't care about basketball? How much did we lean into that especially when he came to the Warriors when they traded away D'Angelo Russell and we've talked about this all we, we talk about this every time we talk about Andrew Wiggins but when they traded away D'Angelo Russell and they brought Wiggins back, everyone just thought, well, fine. you gotta match salaries. We don't want D'Angelo Russell fine. We'll take Wiggins whatever I'm not uh, I'm not gonna expect too much out of it. But then when he played that first game against the Lakers and he had to face up against LeBron James on defense, you could tell there was something different about it. Steve Kerr told him, look, this is what we need from you. This is what we're expecting. This is going to be your role. It's going to be different to what it was in Minnesota. And now we are seeing Andrew Wiggins start to thrive. And it's nothing that he's ever done. He's not that outspoken of an individual. He's never t- he's never said anything wrong. He's never done anything wrong. As a matter of fact, he's had a smile on his face throughout all of it, and he's he's been nothing but an iron man for this Warriors team so far. So glad that he is being recognized for everything that he's done so far this season. And this is Andrew Wiggins after the game when he was asked uh, what that moment was like when he found out he was an All Star.
4: Man, it was. It's mind blowing. You know, I was taking my little pregame nap and my girl, my daughter just woke me up and said, you're a starter, you're a starter. And I thought I was dreaming for a second. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> but, you know, it was a good way to, you know, learn that I, I made the, you know, an all star. And I'm thankful. You know, I've been putting in, putting in a lot of work. You know, I found a home here. Uh, hopefully I can keep it going. You know, oh. hopefully it's not the last one. Hopefully. We keep going this year. We win a title.
3: You know, that's the next step. Just so happy for him. And this is Steph talking about when he found out Wiggins was an all-star. When
4: I woke up, my wife had texted me. And then our group text was going crazy. Celebrating Wiggs yeah. and his, his first one. So it's pretty special. Good energy coming into the game tonight. And obviously for him, amazing accomplishment. and you know, All he's been through his career. Well-deserved. And I know we're all like just crazy excited for him to get his first experience.
3: And this is Steph... Talking about the push that they made to get Wiggins on the All Star team and not only that, to be the starter.
4: Well you never know how that stuff goes. Fan votes awesome and you know, I know he benefited from that being out here and the love he got and then the media and the player vote and all that. So when it all shakes out like you feel like the twenty four guys that are supposed to be in the game will be there and you know, starting is a huge honor and accomplishment. And for him to, for that to be his first one, he's getting the full experience. But it is part of the whole process of how, how you know, guys are selected. And, you know, we'll see next Thursday, get Draymond in there, see who the other, you know, reserves are and, and, and identify the, you know, the best guys in the league so far.
3: So right now we got Steph, John Morant. Andrew Wiggins, Nicola Jokic, and LeBron James as your 2022 starters for the Western Conference. And then in the Eastern Conference, you got Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and KD. So 50% of the vote went to fans, 25% goes to the NBA players, and 25% goes to the media panel. And when you're talking about where Andrew Wiggins was ranked here... I mean the score that he got, he was over Draymond Green in this situation. At least for the front court, you're not talking about the guards here. But when you're talking about forwards and 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 and, and, and uh, centers, it was LeBron, Jokic, Wiggins, Draymond. Then Paul George, who has been hurt lately. Then Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, who just came back, Carmelo Anthony, and DeAndre Ayton. And then when you're talking about guards, it was Steph, John Morant, and then Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul, far away. Klay Thompson even received some votes. Oh, man. For the 415, what does Nick Friedell think about wigs now? (laughs) Hey, man. Hey, come on. Love Fridell. Don't do him like that. (laughs) And one more thing that I do want to mention that has to do with some Warriors basketball, other than them getting uh, that win over the Timberwolves. But it's Draymond Green. I know, Draymond Green's been out. What kind of news do you really have on Draymond Green? Well, in case you hadn't heard, he just signed a deal with TNT, a multi-year deal, to join Inside the NBA. Now, we have yet to wait what that means for him. He's going to be doing uh, stuff on remote. He might be in studio at times. But this is pretty much proof that until Draymond finishes out his contract, which I think he will, he's on that one-way track to being what he's wanted to be, which is a broadcaster. And that's great. Super happy for him. And then who could speak better about it than Clay Thompson? This is what he had to say on Draymond getting
2: that TNT deal. Draymond is a very intellectual person, especially when it comes to basketball. And I've learned so much from him. My game has been enhanced because of him. And he is, he's playing chess out there when everyone else is playing checkers. So I uh, am very proud of Draymond. And he's a very well-rounded individual, not just a great basketball player. But the man is, uh, you can tell he's been through a lot in his life. And he's just has great character he's uh, like a brother to me just
3: hopefully uh he doesn't make any you know bold statements like they need to get my man book out of phoenix <laughs> yeah yeah that one looking back on that one hindsight's 2020 but uh yeah yeah don't need to make any claims like that You'd be a little more. Uh, I mean, it was a well thought out. It was a well thought out opinion. But when you said it on Inside the NBA, uh, then all of a sudden the Suns started to turn into this Western Conference powerhouse. <laughs> it's like. All right. I wonder what he's going to say. I'm very interested to watch that, but he's already got the chemistry and it's really, it's really no surprise that this happened. I know it's in the middle of his, uh, in the middle of his career, uh, but why not Draymond? Who better than Draymond to do it? I don't see it happening with any other individual and he's the one uh, that's been pushing for it. So shout out to Draymond Green, man. Hopefully he comes back too. I can't wait until he comes back uh, soon and him and Steph and Clay and Wiggins. I mean, They're looking real good right now. It looks like they figured out how to run their offense without Draymond on the floor, but they certainly do need his defense. All right. Speaking of defense, going to be very important for the 49ers defense to show up big against the Rams this Sunday. But coming up next, I'm going to read off some of the words that I marked from yesterday's Mark Your Words. It was very simple. It was 49ers, Rams, what do you got? So I'm going to read some of those off, and then we'll get a little more into the game preview. So that's coming up next. Stephen Langford on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 957
0: the game. Here's Stephen Langford.
3: 49ers Rams this Sunday. What I like most about the these both these championship uh, conference championship matchups. What I like about both of them this weekend is that, and the best thing about football in general with these playoffs is that these teams deserve to be there. I mean, Bills-Chiefs might have been a better-suited matchup for a conference championship, but Bills or, uh, but Chiefs-Bengals is going to be just as good, in my opinion. I don't think it's going to be as much of a blowout as everyone thinks. I think the Chiefs right now are seven-point favorites, and uh, the Bengals are very good against the spread, so, I mean, if you're a betting person, take them plus seven. Uh, take, take them plus seven. Just, you know, take you know, take the Bengals and the points. I, I think that's what you do. I think that's what you do. Uh, but, you got the Rams and the 49ers, and I understand you got Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, and kind of crazy that we're seeing Mahomes as the wily veteran now the one that everybody's chasing it's no longer Brady and Manning and Roethlisberger and Joe Flacco now it's Patrick Mahomes it feels like he's still in his second year in the league as a starter (laughs) you know that's how I feel about him but now you got Joe Burrow up and coming along with Jamar Chase it's going to be fun but with everything riding on the Rams and the Niners all the, all the, just all the storylines surrounding it. The fact that Sean McVay seems to beat everyone else in the NFL except for Kyle Shanahan. He can't do it. Six and zero oh against Kyle, uh, six and zero oh against Sean McVay. Like he, has, he hasn't even he hasn't been able to get a win. Not only that, but the way that these two teams have built their rosters. The Niners, you know, they've done they've done some things through free agency. They have made a couple of trades, and you know, the big one being for Trey Lance in terms of draft picks. But the way that this team was built, a lot of it through the draft, you know. Fred Warner, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, all draft picks and not even uh first rounders. I mean, mean, all these guys that they have, a lot of them have been mainstays on this team. The way that they've built it, whereas the Rams, they've just mortgaged their entire future to build their roster. They've picked, you know, they got a couple of guys drafted. Aaron Donald uh, being being the primary one, but on the other side, you got Stafford. Um, who was traded, obviously, and now you're seeing a type of quarterback who I actually don't understand why he's still not getting uh, any respect. It's it's very it's it's very strange to me. Uh, I think that the disrespect for Matthew Stafford has been unwarranted throughout the season. All I'm hearing is he's not a winner. He's not a winner. He's not a winner. And even though he's made it to the NFC Championship, I don't care what team you have, uh, he's still there. But it was the way that they built everything. Just It's so different, the contrast between these two teams. But they're connected in some way. And to me, as far as na- the national view, I know a lot of you are hearing the disrespect towards Jimmy Garoppolo. But as far as how the national fan base, the NFL fan base, views both teams... The 49ers are a much more likable team than the Rams. You know, they got Stafford, who's not an unlikable guy, but ever since he's with the Lions, everyone's, you know, calling him a loser, you can't win playoff games, blah, blah, blah. Well, he did it with the the first time that he got an opportunity with a competent franchise. What do you know? But... You got Odell Beckham, who a lot of people in the league still don't like. He's actually looked really good so far in these playoffs. It looks like he's acclimating real well uh, to this Rams team. Better, much better, uh, m- way better than he ever did with the Rams, uh, with the with the Browns. But. You got Jalen Ramsey on the on the other side. Not a lot of people like him. Aaron Donald. Er, everyone loves Aaron Donald. There's nobody that doesn't like Aaron Donald. Uh, and you got Cooper Cup, who's a very likable guy. But you also got Sean McVay, who a lot of people are bothered by just because you know he's the the young hot shot who's smarter than your head coach, more most likely. The 49ers have a much more likable team to me. Jimmy Garoppolo, for all the for all the disrespect we're giving him, and trust me, I actually, I actually, it's today's not the day, but I do have something for the win. What, what's being called the wins truthers out there? I'll, I'll I'll have that's I'll save that for another time when it's appropriate. I do just want to focus uh, on this game. But for all those things being said, it's not like Jimmy's not likable. He's just a good-looking guy. If you're the if you're the type that doesn't like someone because they're good-looking or finds to finds yourself to be a little bit jealous, hell, I do. But he's not an unlikable person. Debo Samuel, like I said yesterday, not only has he turned into a 49er fan favorite, but he's turned into an NFL fan favorite. George Kittle, who doesn't like George Kittle, who doesn't like him. Elijah Mitchell a young rookie that was drafted late in the draft. Everybody likes him, Fred Warner. You know, the only guys that really that that anyone can talk any smack about was Josh Norman, but he's not even starting. So, as far as these two teams, the differences, they couldn't be more clear, but, they're both similar in a way. It's it's just, it's very, it's very strange. Very strange. And then you got the San Francisco versus the LA aspect of it all. The fact that the 49er fans, it looks like they're really going to be taking over SoFi Stadium. And if you're looking at the mark your words from yesterday, because that's what we did toward the end of the show, probably should have had more time, but this is the segment that I do where I actually have people write what their take is. And I heard all the time, mark my words, mark my words, this mark my words, that, but I never actually marked them. So I created a segment where I actually marked their words. And I got a lot of texts yesterday. And from, for example, David and San Leandro Rams win by two scores. Uh, uh, I don't have a name on this one, but they say Trey Trey Lance will come into the game. Jorge in San Francisco. Elijah Mitchell will have his best game ever. 49ers win 24-14. Aguilar from Antioch. Red out at SoFi. Niners win. Super Bowl bound. Let's go. Anthony in Livermore. Jimmy's play is finally the reason we win a playoff game. Throws three touchdowns. Wins 24-20. That's Anthony in Livermore. Jay in NSF. Mark my words. 24-17. Didn't, oh, 24-17 SF, gotcha. Okay, that's from Jay. 30-20, to 20, Jimmy G, two touchdowns, 225 yards. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, 100 yards rushing, one touchdown. Debo Samuel, 100 yards receiving, 50 rushing. George Kittle, 80 yards, touchdown. So those words are marked, 30-20. to 20. More 49er fans than last time at SoFi. That's from Birdo650 in South City. Ernie and Conker, 27-21, 49ers win. Mark my words, Jimmy G will turn the ball over three times, but I didn't get a name attached to that one either. FQ in Stockton, Rams win 24-17, with Jimmy G fa- failing another two-minute drill to end the game. Jay Louie, 4-1, from San Jose. Jimmy will go off with his best performance in the 49ers win. Was getting a lot of that. Was getting a lot of that yesterday. And what I'm reading from that is... You're very confident. You're very confident. And, no, shout-out to the two guys that remained on hold after the show was over, Chris and San Leandro. He says the wide receivers are going to have the best game that they've had so far this season, 32-21 of the Niners. Don and Concord had it simple, 27-10, 49ers. So a lot of you are confident. And that's what I want to get into next. Let's get to the details of this game because I have about four keys to this one and feel free to add on if you'd like at the comcast business text line at 888 but i have three keys for each team i don't think it's different they always try to do this on the tv broadcast where they give keys for each team i actually think they're the same for both teams if either one of these teams actually plays to this level this is what I think they need to do to win. So what I want you to do is to comment on it and tell me which one is the most important to you going into this game. 888-957-9570. Again, that's the Comcast Business text line. Uh, but one more thing that I do wanna uh, do want to play for you before we get to break. And this is something that I realized, as I do need to open this up. But I was watching... The Lion King last weekend. Lion King's great. Haven't seen it in a long time. It's awesome. If you haven't watched it in a while, I recommend you do. But when Scar is singing Be Prepared to all the hyenas and you have the the whole, the, the entire song being about, you know, himself and you know, he's kind of crapping on the hyenas in the in, in the beginning of that song. It's like why are you following this guy when he's saying you're empty-headed? Don't do that. But the last part of the song, I couldn't help but think of both Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. I feel like this is the type of speech that he's giving to their team. I know they're not going to sing, be prepared for the Lion King to get their team fired up for the NFC Championship. But I couldn't help but think, when I listened to these lyrics and I went back and read them, this is exactly what Kyle Shadahead and Shaw McVay are thinking uh, when they're going into this game.
0: Meticulous planning, denazus manning, decades of denial, why I'll be king on disputed, respected, saluted, and seen for the wonder I am. If my teeth and ambitions are bad, be prepared.
3: Let me read those to you. Meticulous planning, tenacity spanning, decades of denial, although it's a half a decade for Sean McVay and a full decade for Kyle Shanahan, is simply why I'll be king, undisputed, respected, saluted, and seen for the wonder I am. Yes, my teeth and ambitions are bared. Be prepared. And I know the teeth thing may not make much sense to you, but hey, when you see Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay's teeth... That most likely means they're smiling. Have you ever seen Kyle Shanahan with his mouth closed if they're winning? No. If you see their teeth at the end of that game, if they're bared, that means they probably won. That's what I'm going to be thinking. Or they just, you know, scored a touchdown at the end of the second quarter and they go up uh, by two scores early in the game, but it's way too early to do that and you start celebrating with your teammates and your teeth are bared that way, then you go on to lose that game. Shout out to you, Sean McVay, in, uh, in Week 18. But I couldn't help but think of that. Couldn't help but think of that when I heard be prepared. All right. The three keys that I have to the game coming up next, the four keys I actually have going into the game, I want to know from you which one you feel is most most important heading into this one, and then we'll get to the prediction time toward the end of the show. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 of the game.
0: Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The
3: Game. Here's Stephen Langford. This is it. Final 20 minutes of the show. Of course, we got the rest of the day to get in your take if you'd like. But if you want to get it in early at 5.40 in the morning, please feel free at 888-957-9570, either at the phone number or the Comcast business text line. I got four keys for you, for the game. Four important parts that I think each team needs to play into in order to win. I think they're the same for each team. We talk about all the differences, the way they've built it. Sean McVay not getting a win against Kyle Shanahan. Just everything. SF, LA, all of that. But the keys to me are the same. The way that they can lose these games are the same. So I got four keys for you. But before we get to that, as we get your phone calls in, I just want to give a shout-out because this could be the last time that we hear from this guy, and I'm so glad he's getting the notoriety that he's getting for the type of person that he is. But you've heard me on this show talk about 49ers offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel. Formerly the uh, formerly the run game coordinator turned into the offensive coordinator, and it seems like the national media has picked up on who he is now because they're actually paying. They don't have uh, you know thirty other teams to pay attention to when it comes to press conferences. Now that they only have four of them, everyone is starting to notice. Mike McDaniel and he had a showing in yesterday's pr- press conference and if you haven't heard him talk before he's this scrawny dude he's got gla- he he look he's a smart guy he's got he's got glasses a lot of people the the references that they're making as to who he is uh, the type of guy that he is who he'd be typecast as it's hilarious but listen to Mike McDaniel here uh, just when he was simply being asked a question by Matt Mayoko it's it's
2: beautiful how Far down that rabbit hole do you go? Of hey, this is what we've done the first two games. These are all the things we could do off of it. But they might be thinking along those lines too. Do you play that? You know, you know that they know kind of game. We know that they know that you know that we know. Um, no, it's it's a good question. Because <laughs> How far down that rabbit hole? <laughs>
3: It's like, we know that they know that you know that we know.
2: <laughs>
3: How else are you supposed to answer a question like that? I mean, it was, uh, it, you know, toward the end, it's a good question.
2: Do you play that, you know, you know that they know kind of game? <laughs> we know
3: that they know that you know that we know. <laughs> I can't wait till this guy's a head coach and we're actually seeing these press conferences uh, the day after these games. He might be a little more serious than that, but this dude comes off as just so chill. And before we get to more game preview, I just want to play this one more. Just got one more from Mike McDaniel when he was asked uh, about Colton McKivitts. The front office saying that he got um, the rare gold helmet uh, status uh, before the draft. I'm just wondering whether you've kind of seen that manifest itself in, in him and, and how he's practiced and how he uh, handled himself in that Week 18 game.
0: That's that's good intel. Are you
4: in our draft room? Do you have an nanny cam? No, he, um... <laughs> that's, that's good intel.
3: Are you in our draft room? Do you have an nanny cam? No, he... Man... Reporters aren't going to know how to react to this guy. I hope he gets a head coaching job. I'm very excited for him. Uh, I think he's having his second interview with the Miami Dolphins to take over for Brian Flores. So that could get very interesting uh, for Mike McDaniel. I think he's going to become one, one of the more uh, popular head coaches in the league just based on those press conferences alone. All right. We're getting some text here at the Comcast Business text line at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. 9570 Only you from the 408 could connect one of the most highly anticipated playoff games to a Disney song. Look, when I hear the end of Be Prepared, when Scar is singing it, and come on, tell me that these lyrics don't relate to what Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay are both thinking the way that they're talking to their team. Meticulous planning, <laughs> tenacity spanning, mercades of
0: denial is simply why I'll be king undisputed, respected, saluted, and seen for the wonder I am.
3: Yes, my teeth and ambitions are bad. Be prepared. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, meticulous planning, tenacity spanning, come on, come on, at least give me that, alright, let's go to Mitch in New Jersey, he wants to weigh in on the game, what's going on Mitch? How's
5: it going Steve, uh, thank God it's Friday, yeah, uh, yeah, I can't wait for these games, I wish the game was a little earlier, That's have just seen on the East Coast, it's
0: uh, kind of late for me, I think. Well, I'm on vacation. What
3: are what, what, what are they gonna what are they gonna be, Mitch? They're gonna be at what? Three thirty and, and seven thirty for you? Actually six thirty. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and the Super Bowl it really it starts kinda
0: late. And only uh yeah, no the commercials, but pretty really great game. Hope the 49ers can pull out. I think it's gonna come down to who has a better game, Debo Samuel or
5: Cooper Cop. Great both have great names and I think Cooper Cop should be the M V P. He won the
0: game where again Aaron Rodgers Choke a bit, but you know how that's gonna uh,
3: go about. Uh, the ones he was uh, with drafting and MVP, they get very little uh, credence there. It's a great game, and also Bosa against
0: Aaron Donald. I'm saying they both gonna the Hall of Fame. I'm, I think I'm going out of leg there.
4: Enjoy the game, Steve.
3: Appreciate you, Mitch. Thank you so much for calling in. Hope you enjoy the game as well. And that leads me to these keys to the game here. Now, feel free to weigh in. This is a safe space, people. All right? You don't have to. uh, I'm not going to sit. I'm going to throw the disclaimer out there right now. You don't have to have thrown a TD in the NFL. You don't have to have done that in order to give an opinion on the sport. On the sport. You don't have to. Don't worry, it's okay. I'm not going to shoot you down for giving some sort of opinion just because you've never played the game. Shout out to you, Jeff Garcia, for one of the most tone-deaf posts that I've ever seen. I don't know what he was doing yesterday when trying to talk about Mina Kimes. But look, I got keys to the game here. And Mitch actually stole my thunder a little bit. That's not my number one. That's actually my number three. And these keys are for both teams because I think it goes the same both ways. Stop the number one wide receiver. Stop the number one wide receiver. The number one on the on the Rams, Cooper Cup. Number one on uh, on on the Niners, Debo Samuel. Now that's number three on the list. I don't put that as the most important because teams can overcome that if the opposing defense does manage to neutralize them. To a, to an extent, I don't know what that. I mean, for Cooper Cup at this point, what it means to slow him down is to hold him for under 110 yards. That's what it feels like. I, like it is, it's, it's too much. But they can overcome that though the 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 opposing teams because the number twos are pretty damn good. OBJ with the Rams. He's starting to find his flow with Stafford. He's left in a lot of one on one situations with cornerbacks and he's able to beat them one on ones. His, his routes have been crisp. The ball's getting to him. That's also another, that's also another thing. You haven't heard Odo Beckham's dad go on Instagram and, and badmouth Stafford like he did with Baker Mayfield, but, the number two receivers on each team—they can overcome that, and the tight ends are both very good too. George Kittle, Tyler Higbee—I mean, if they're—if the, the number ones aren't working and it's just not—it's just not happening, there are other options in the pass game. But I do find it important—you do have to neutralize those guys, no doubt. And we saw what happened at the end of that last game, where Cooper Cup was just dominant in that big catch that he had uh, in the corner, but. My number one key here, and I said this yesterday, this is the number one thing in this game. You got to win in the trenches. That's it. Which offensive line can beat the defensive line, the tough defensive lines of both these teams? You know, what does the yards per carry look like? Of course you want to get over the 30-run threshold, the 30-carry threshold total for the game. Of course you want to get to that, but it also matters. I think the yards per carry matters. If you got about 3.8 to 5 yards a carry, then I think you're good. Whichever team has that, that's showing me that the offensive line is blocking real well and the running back is running real well. So you got to win in the run game, and you got to protect the quarterback. You got to protect the quarterback because with Stafford, if you get to him with that front four, if Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and a mix of Arden Key and Charles Omenihu and all those guys, they get involved and you stifle Matthew Stafford, you're going to force him into mistakes. You're going to force them into the mistakes, and the Niners aren't going to—one thing that we do know about this team is they're not going to go away from everything that's brought them success so far this season, and what's brought them success on defense is rushing with four and making and, and disguising the blitzes so that you can bring guys like Fred Warner back in coverage, and their nickel package that they've been running out there along with the front four, it's been dominant. It's been dominant. Each game, it feels like they're getting four to five sacks a game. So if you do that, then you're going to force Stafford into throwing some dumb interceptions. But on the other side, that's exactly what can happen with Jimmy Garoppolo. Trent Williams, it's imperative that this dude stays healthy. He needs to stay healthy here. I know he's got the ankle, and he hasn't practiced so far this week. And, I mean, even if he doesn't practice, I still think he's going to go on Sunday. There's no way Trent Williams is missing a game of this magnitude, uh, there's no chance, especially with the one that's on a Super Bowl run. There's no chance that he misses this game. Uh, and to be honest, Trent Williams at even 80% is better than a lot of left tackles in the league, so I'm good with that. But he needs to stay in the game, and Tom Compton can't have a game like he was having last week against the Packers. It felt like every drive in that last game, other than the drive where Jimmy threw the interception, the fourth and one play that was stuffed, they didn't get a sack in that uh, on that drive, and then, of course, the field goal for Robbie Gould toward the end of the game to win it. There wasn't a sack there, but every other drive, it felt like there was a sack, <laughs> and there was in the first half. There were four first-half sacks for the Packers. Three of them, excuse me, I apologize. But you got to protect the quarterback and you got to have some good run blocking. I really think the number one is win in the trenches. If you do that, you have a good chance of winning this game. But my number two is pretty, a lot of this is super generic as it as a lot of these keys to the game are. And please, feel free to weigh in at 888 957 at the Comcast Business text line. If you want to weigh in with that, give me your prediction. What do you think is going to happen on Sunday? What do you want to see happen on Sunday in order for the 49ers to beat the Rams? But the number two are the mistakes. Are the mistakes. These quarterbacks have been so prone to the dumb interception... The Jimmy O No throw. Come to think of it, I really like the I really like the Jimmy O No throw. I like the name of that. It, it has a nice ring to it. The Jimmy O No throw. When you simply see a pass where you think, Oh no! But. These guys need to limit their mistakes, and it's not just the quarterbacks. It's not just the quarterbacks and these dumb interceptions. It's the linemen and getting possible false start or holding penalties to set a drive back, to kill any momentum that you have. And also special teams. (laughs) Limit the mistakes on special teams. We've seen it multiple times. I mean, that 49ers and Bengals game toward the end of the season, it was close. But we gotta admit, it shouldn't have been that close. With five first half turnovers, and the punt returner couldn't catch the ball, you can't have any of those mistakes. Not in this NFC Championship game. You're not going to be able to get away with that if you're whichever team you are. You're just not, because these teams, the Niners, they've been very good at taking advantage of mistakes. You know, whenever there's a turnover and they get the ball with some good field position. Kyle Shanahan knows what he wants to do, and he's going to exploit that. And on the other side, we saw what happened with uh, the Buccaneers and giving the Rams a chance to get the ball back late in the game. I mean, the mistakes that they were making in the first half, it was just constant. And the Rams were able to take advantage of it. And then in the second half, the Rams were making a ton of mistakes. Cooper Cup with the fumble, the center over snapping uh, the ball to Matthew Stafford and flying it over his head, and the Buccaneers end up getting the ball back. You need to limit these mistakes. And number three, like I just mentioned, is the Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel deal. The Cooper Cup and T- Debo Samuel deal, where you got to stop their number one. You got to stop the number one wide receiver. At least limit them and force guys like you know Brandon Ayuk and Jawan Jennings to beat you. And on the other side, you want to force Odell Beckham and Van Jefferson and Tyler Higby to have a to have a game. That's what you want. You want to try and neutralize Cooper Cup as much as possible. Both teams, a lot of weapons, a lot of things that they could do with the football. And in addition to that, the 49ers have Kyle Juszczyk. Is this team going to be the same this Rams team? Going to be the same that they've seen these past uh, the past couple of times? No. Each team each team changes with a couple of weeks uh, within a couple of weeks as they get as they continue to get used to each other. Von Miller looking good for the Rams. But ultimately, Here's where I'm at. I think the 49ers are going to win. I think I, I think it's going to be a rematch of the 2019 Super Bowl. I think all the pressure is on the Rams. All of it. The Niners. Yeah, you know, there's the the playing with house money conversation. Part of that is true, and you want to go on to possibly win the Super Bowl. Of course, you do. But with the Rams, they're built in a way that's not set up for the future. Sure, they got Matthew Stafford for the next few years, but they still got to build through the draft. That's how you build their team. And they're not going to have any draft picks left to trade for any good players. So they're going to have a few guys here and there, but this is a full team sport. You can have stars at a couple of positions, but if you don't have a good offensive line, then it doesn't matter. I mean, that could be the reason why Joe Burrow ultimately is his downfall. They were able to overcome it last week. I mean, he got sacked nine times, and he was still able to beat the Titans, but the quarterback on the other side just continued to turn the ball over, even with the first pass of the game. But that's what I'm saying, is the way that the 49ers are built, John Lynch has done a very good job, and Kyle Shanahan, for choosing players for their future that fit their system. And they've locked up a lot of their good players. Fred Warner, George Kittle, uh, Trent Williams. Trey Lance is going to be on a rookie deal. Elijah Mitchell. I mean, I, you, you can just rotate through running backs in uh, within Kyle Shanahan's system. It's no knock to Elijah Mitchell. Um, but we've seen guys who are just speedy uh, win in Kyle Shanahan's system. I just think they're much better suited for the future. And the Rams are built to win right now. So all the pressure is on them. And when you got the crowd going crazy in Sofi and they're on a silent count <sighs> I, I really think it's going to be tough for the rams to to win this one let's see from the from the 925 <laughs> obj senior was paid 100k in dogecoin to shut up about his son not getting the ball from the 408 49ers lose if Cooper Cup gets over 125 yards. Uh, that's from James in San Jose. The 650. the key is the 49ers offensive line, hands down. Kyle has to have a private meeting with them and let them know it's up to them. I'm telling you, uh, the, the trenches is the number one thing. Now, if they're both pretty even, which to me in that game against the Packers, uh, they were. I know that the, uh, the 49ers offensive line wasn't great. But that Packers O-line was not good either. Without David Bakhtiari, they weren't able to block anything. Now the Rams are going to be they're they're going to have Andrew Whitworth back. They didn't have him in that last matchup uh, against the Buccaneers, but you got that veteran on their team. That's an important addition for them. But as long as Trent Williams is still on that field and he's still healthy and still can go, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm feeling pretty good about it. From the 707. Damn, now I have be prepared and scoop there it is, stuck in my head. I'm telling you. Be prepared!
0: Meticulous planning, tenacity's manning, decades of denial, is simply why i king undisputed, respected, saluted, and seen for the wonder I am. Yet
3: my teeth and ambitions are bad. Be prepared! Look, I, don't, I think this is actually going to be a, a, a kind of high-scoring game. 45.5 points is the over-under. The Rams are 3.5-point favorites, according to BetQL. Uh, but I think this is going to be more of a high-scoring game than we're expecting. I don't think it's going to be under the 45.5. Uh, a lot of people expect the defenses to get it done. But I see the 49ers winning this one 30-27 and we're on to the Super Bowl, and I think they're going to be facing the Chiefs in another 2019 rematch. I mean, the, the Rams on. I mean, the Rams are getting better, you know, and I understand all of that. But I really do think there's something to Kyle Shanahan being six and overs versus Sean McVay. I think Sean McVay, the way that he coached last week, getting the Buccaneers back into this game. Yeah, I mean, the reason that they were... I mean, not only was it the turnovers, but also it was Sean McVay trying to run the ball with Cam Akers when there was nothing there. Trying to run the clock out in Tampa Bay's defense was too much. And then what do you know? Cam Akers would also fumble the football. It, it was just too much. And I think it's going to be too much for Sean McVay to handle in this game on Sunday. I, I, I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Final score. Told you, 30-27 to 27 of the 49ers. That's what I think it's going to be. From the 5-1-0, on another note, the Niners' good luck started once they showed A-Rod in the crown with Green Bay gear on. <laughs> A-Rod is officially the Drake of football, where he's just wearing the jersey and he's got the curse. The A-Rod curse? You might be onto something there, 5-1-0. Uh, also from the 5-1-0, Rams 27-17, Cup 200 yards receiving, Stafford 4 touchdown passes. From the 650. People want Jimmy back. I don't know if the money makes sense. Who would you rather have, Debo or Jimmy? That's a conversation for another day, at least when the 49er season is over.
0: All right.